Thank you for listening to Overcomers Church International Weekly Message. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened as you hear the Word of God. Normally, I, I don't do a traditional Christmas message, and I'm going to stick to my tradition and not do a traditional Christmas message. Y'all all right with that? So what I'm going to do is just say Merry Christmas, I love you, Happy New Year, and now I'm just going to preach my heart out, if that's all right with you all. And I'm going to give you the good stuff. I didn't bring anything that wasn't good. I got everything good for you this morning. And I had someone tell me this morning, they said, I hope, I hope you, you, you brought it this morning or something like that. I said, hey, man, Jesus showed up, and so it's going to be awesome. Even if I preached crummy, it would still be amazing because Jesus is here, and we're encountering the living one. Amen. And aren't you glad that we have, a, we have a Savior who's risen, he's alive, he's well today. And Paul said this, I like to quote this verse, I quote it often, but he said, and he talked to the Corinthians about how they used to communicate and worship those dumb idols. It's because they couldn't speak to you. We serve a God that is alive and well and can speak very, very clearly. Before I move on, just so you're not distracted, it gets hot, it gets cold, it gets hot, it gets cold. We cannot control the temperature in this room to save our lives. So if you got a coat, you can put it on. Then when it gets hot, you can take it off. It's no problem. You won't distract me, but just understand, we get this many people in here and we just can't control it. Everybody say new building in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We're just going to keep speaking in faith and we're going to see come to pass exactly what it is that the Lord has laid on our hearts. Hallelujah. So I was, uh, I, last week I spoke on faith and I said, we're, I'm going to continue this this upcoming week. And then I realized it was Christmas. And so then I thought, well, I need to give a Christmas message. And then I came to the conclusion, nope, I'm just going to keep preaching in faith. As a matter of fact, that's what Christmas is all about any, anyways, isn't it? Jesus came, and we're supposed to put our faith and trust in him. It's just as simple as that. So I'm going to continue ministering on faith. If you weren't here last week, uh, then you missed out, and I don't know what to tell you, but to, this week's just going to be just as awesome. John 10.10, 10, I want to start here in John 10.10. 10. And we know this verse very well, but this was quickened to me this morning just to start here. John 10.10. 10. It says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. You know, when I picked the name of the church and really the Lord picked the name of the church, there was a series of events and dreams and different things that he he gave me the name of the church, Overcomers Church International. And there's just something in our DNA as a church, but there's also something in our DNA as as born-again people that God has actually made us to be overcomers. That's how he's designed us. That's how he's made us. And Jesus said, and I feel like that this has been maybe robbed, and so maybe I'm going to stir your heart and quicken your faith about this once again today. I believe the enemy has robbed this from the church, that Jesus has come to give us a life and that we would have it in abundance. Not a little bit. Not just a little bit of blessing, not just a little bit of joy, not just a little bit of peace, but the kind of joy and the kind of peace that would make you walk into a room and shout and praise God that you would actually come to church and you would be the one that everyone turns and looks at and says, what in the world are they doing screaming and shouting and yelling like that during praise and worship? It's because of an abundant life on the inside. When you hear people scream, they're either making a scene or they got something real going on the inside of them, amen? And I can tell you now, most of the time you hear people scream and shout and amen 
and hallelujah in here, it's because they've experienced the abundant life. They've experienced something that Jesus came to give us. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come, Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Do you know what abundance means? It actually means to, to super abound. So if, you're, if your cup is is 20 ounces, you actually get 120 ounces. You get way more than what you need. And Jesus came to give us that so that we could walk through this life and we could live in abundance on every single level of our life. Can I get a big amen? amen. Let me show you this verse in Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. And I didn't give any of these verses to the guys back there to put them up on the screen. So they might have them, they might not. But this is what the Lord said. Galatians chapter 1. Bless you. As if you wanted anyone to know that you sneezed. Galatians <laughs> chapter 1, verse 4. Verse 3, actually, we'll start with. It says, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you love the fact, and, I, and when you read Paul's writing so many times, actually every time he writes, it's always grace and peace and mercy. Aren't you glad that that's how God approaches us? Oh, hallelujah. Verse 4. It says, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Do you know that there is a lot of stuff in this present evil age that God came that he sent Jesus to deliver us from? Most of the time when we think about what Jesus did in putting our trust in him for salvation, we only think about the life hereafter. I got news for you. If that's the only reason you get saved is for the life hereafter, that's a good reason to get saved. I don't want to miss out, and I don't want anyone else to miss out on going to heaven because they didn't put their trust in Jesus. But guess what? That's not the only reason that Jesus came and died and paid the price. He wants you in this life, here right now, according to this, to deliver us from this present evil age. He doesn't want us to be sick. He doesn't want us to be impoverished. I'm going to show you this more from the Word in a minute. He doesn't want us to live underneath of the grip of the enemy, the grip of the devil. He's actually given us the ability to walk at a higher level than the rest of the world because of our faith in Jesus and because of what he's done for us. Can I get a big amen? amen. Praise God. Listen to this verse, and this is really where I'm going to shoot from. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4. It says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith now i'm going to come back to that in a minute but look at the next verse it says who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that jesus is the son of god anybody in here believe that jesus is the son of god guess what? You've got something in your DNA that says that you are created, you're made by God to actually overcome the things that have been overcoming you. Anybody ever felt overcome? I'll just use a long span, say like in the last five years, you felt overcome by anything? Show of hands. Come on, let's be honest now. Probably every hand should go up in here. Guess what? Jesus come, has come to give us an abundant life and that we would live an overcoming life to overcome anything and everything that would try to overcome us. Can I get a big amen? amen. Turn over with me to Romans. Hold your place in 1 John. Romans chapter 8. And look at this. This is just awesome. And I was last night in here and 
and just praising God and thanking him. And he quickened these verses to me here in Romans chapter 8. And man, it was just like I had a pray. I did. I had a praise service in here all by myself. It was awesome. I wish I had recorded it. You would have been really, really blessed by it. Romans chapter 8. And look at this here. In verse 16. Oh, let's just start in verse 15. There's no reason to cut anything off. Verse 15, it says... For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Do you know what I believe from my experience in life and from my experience in pastoring and ministering to people? The number one thing that people deal with is a spirit of fear. People are afraid of everything all of the time. God hasn't called us to be fearful people. He's actually, he's actually redeemed us from the spirit of fear and bondage and given us a spirit that's, that's free. In verse 16, it says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and listen to this, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified together. I want you to notice it says that we are joint heirs with Christ. Now, I have to preface this before anyone thinks that I'm saying something that I shouldn't say. We are not equal with God in the sense that he is God and we're not. Everybody understand that? You and I are not God. We never have been God and we never will be God. But let me tell you what this means about being joint heirs. Now, if it just said heirs, it could have meant that Jesus got more in the inheritance than what we got, but it doesn't. It says that we are joint heirs with him. You know what that means? Every single thing that Jesus got, we got the exact same thing. You know why? Because in the same way that Jesus is a child of God, was the son of God, is the son of God, you are also a son and daughter of the Most High. You are seated with him in heavenly places. You're not the footstool. Sometimes I think that people think that they're the footstool. They've got a wrong, a wrong thought about who God is, and they think that God's against them. I got news for you, baby. God is all the way on board with you, 100%, and he's given you all the same, all the same good stuff that he gave Jesus, the same power, the same authority, the same anointing, the same grace. You say, well, it's, it sounds like you're saying we're like God. You betcha. Yeah. We're created in his likeness, and we're created in his image. Yeah. We are just like him. And I've heard people for years, particular preachers that have said that, say, listen to brother so-and-so. They're saying that we're like God. How dare they say that we're like God? There's no one. There's no one like him. Listen, you're not like him in the sense that you're an object to be worshipped like he is, the object to, to be worshipped. You're not, you're not deity. We're not deity. But all of the benefits, the blessing, the authority, the anointing, the love, the grace, the faith, the favor, everything that God poured on Jesus, he poured on us. Oh, and the quicker we know this, the quicker we understand this, the quicker we'll begin to operate and manifest and walk in the fullness of what God's given us. And so back in 1 John chapter 4, it says that this is, it says whatever is born of God. Let me read it again. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4. It says, for whatever is born of God. Oh, oh, there it is. I lost my place. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Notice it says, for whatever is born of God. Now, there is a whoever. Over in 1 Peter chapter 1, it says that we've been born not of, cor not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed through the word of God. 
So there's an incorruptibility that's on the inside of us. We're incorruptible. That's another message for another time. Praise God. Woo. A lot of times people think that because of their silly stuff, their mistakes or whatever, that they've been corrupted. I got news for you. Once you've been born again, you're kept by the power of God, not by the power of you. Oh, hallelujah. But it says for whatever is born of God. So it's not particularly talking about a person. It's talking about an object, a thing, a, a, a characteristic. What could that be? It says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. But it's not actually our faith. It's the faith of the Son of God that he's placed on the inside of us, the measure of faith. We actually have, you need to stretch your thinking here for a second. We actually have the capacity in us to believe God for anything that needs to be believed for. We have the capacity in us to believe God for anything that needs to be believed for. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. You compare that with other scripture verses. It's not, it's not our going, God, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. But it's his ability in us to believe him for whatever he says to believe him for. The grace comes from God. The salvation comes from God. But also the faith comes from God. The reason this is so important is because sometimes people... We'll look at something, and they'll think, well, I could, I could never have that. Yes, you can have that, because Jesus had that, and your joint heirs with him, and the same faith that Jesus had and walked in, you also have that same faith. And if you will tune your ears into the word of God, you also can walk in the same faith that Jesus walked in. Oh, let's look at this here for a second. Here's how important faith is. Hebrews chapter 11. Oh, I'm going to read this really fast, but Hebrews chapter 11. Are you with me? Are you getting something out of this? Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm going to read this really fast, just some, a, a beginning of a few verses. Actually, I'm going to read verse 2, and then I'm going to move on from there. It says, for by it, this is speaking of faith, verse 1, actually. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, by what? By faith, the elders obtain a good testimony. And listen here in verse 4. It says, by faith... Abel, verse 5, by faith Enoch, verse 7, by faith Noah, verse 8, by faith Abraham, by, uh, verse 11, by faith Sarah, verse 23, by faith Moses, and it goes on and on and on and on and talks about the faith. Why was the faith so important? Because it's the victory that they had that overcome the situations that they were in in their present day. If you go on and you look in verse uh, chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, what witnesses? All of the heroes that are listed in Hebrews chapter 11, those are the witnesses we're surrounded by. Their testimony of how they believed God and they came through on the other side in victory. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. What's the sin that so easily ensnares people? It's quitting. It's giving up. Because when you're running a race, it's easy to start, but it's really hard to finish. And you know why it's hard to finish? Because our bodies get tired because things speak to us. And I'm speaking spiritually. Things come against us. And we have this tendency to wear down, but the Lord would say to you, keep pressing in, keep pressing on, stick with the faith, keep trusting God, keep believing God, and you're going to see the, the promises that God has promised to you actually come to pass in your life. But it all depends on you and I believing him. This is where it gets messy for a lot of people. 
Because people think that they're in faith, but they're really not in faith. They'll say, I believe God, or I am believing God. But they're really not to a place to where they're really persuaded. You know, faith isn't, and I've said this, said this last week, actually, it's not a hoping and a wishing and a praying and just knowing that God can, but it's actually being fully persuaded that he is well able to perform the thing that, which, that he promised. Being fully persuaded. So when you go and you approach something and God says, son, daughter, knowing fully well that he's on your side because you're a son and daughter. That when he tells you to go and approach something and he says, I want you to do this, I want you to go to this place, I want you to minister to this person, I want you to speak this word, whatever it is, that you have the, the, the ability through him, through faith, to do anything, whatever it is that he tells you to do. Hallelujah. And the way that you do that and what, how faith really looks and how it really works is that you are fully persuaded, and this is what faith is, that you are fully persuaded in whatever it is that he tells you to do. So it's not just a kind of like, yeah, I'm shooting for it, but you've got your sights set on it. And no matter what comes at you in any form or fashion from any direction, you cannot be moved and won't veer off the path. That's what true Bible faith looks like. And when you're fully persuaded of something, nobody's going to convince you of anything different. So I encourage you this, as you're being strengthened in your faith, whatever you're believing God for, don't tell the people around you <laughs> till you get to that point to where you're fully persuaded. I got, I got, I'm, I'm at a place right now with the vision that God's placed in my heart. I'm persuaded enough that I'll tell people, and if they think I'm a nut job, then I don't really care because I'm so persuaded in my faith that I'll believe God for anything. Don't you think, listen, think about, this is what faith looks like sometimes, and this is why you got to be prepared because when Paul received the revelation of the gospel, it says that he didn't immediately confer with flesh and blood. Why? He probably had to go and soak on that thing for a while before he was ready to go out and really deliver it. Noah, and see, when you're in, when you're in faith about something and you're really in faith, you're going to speak things that aren't actually in manifestation outwardly yet. That's what faith is all about. If you can see it, you don't need faith. Faith is about what you can't see with your physical eyes, but you can see with the eyes of your heart. And just think about Noah. For however many years, a hundred years or whatever it was that he preached that rain, it had never, you understand that it had never rained on the earth. He probably had to give some description to it and said, um, it's actually the sky is going to open up. Imagine this, that it had never rained before. Uh, the, the thing up there um, that is around us, it's actually going to open up and water is going to pour down on such a level that you're all going to drown. I mean, imagine if you were one on the earth during that time, you probably would have thought Noah was nuts. And building a giant boat, they'd never probably seen a boat float at that point. I don't know, maybe, maybe not. There was water, but not that much water. <laughs> but yet it proved, he proved to have really been in faith. His faith was proven when he stood and he stayed steadfast and then the rainwaters come and you could bet at, one, at some level he was going, Jesus, they're all going to die. And then he was probably going, yeah, but they're all going to know that I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what faith looks like as to where you are so fully persuaded about something that you can't be deterred one way or the other by anything or anybody. So people, this is where it gets frustrating for people is that they'll see a promise. They'll see a promise of healing, a promise of prosperity, a promise of restored relationships or whatever. 
and they'll say, God, I'm believing you, but they're not really believing him. You're not really believing him, and so you don't actually see it come to pass because it comes through faith. And faith is when you, when you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. Those two working together is what true Bible faith is. But the believing in the heart isn't just knowing something. It's being fully persuaded that the thing is actually going to come to pass. Super important. Look at this verse over in It just came to me and it just left. Thank you, Jesus, for helping my brain. Romans chapter 10. And look at this. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. Actually, hold your place there and go over to Mark chapter 11. Let me show you this. That was the one that escaped my mind. Thank you, Jesus. Mark chapter 11. Y'all doing all right? Mark chapter 11. In verse 22. Mark 11 and 22. It says, Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, And does not doubt in his heart, But believes those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Notice that you have to believe. Verse 24, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, and I like what the new King James or the regular King James says, it says desire. Listen, when you're praying, you have to have desire when you're praying. A lot of times people will pray and they'll just pray something, but they don't really have a desire for the thing that they're praying for. Amen. It says, whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, I've heard people hear this verse and they'll go, oh, well, this just, this just sounds like the old faith verse that was taught for years that you could just, whatever you pray for when you believe, you can have whatever it is that you pray. Yes, that's exactly right, because that's what the scripture says. Don't let somebody's prejudice against a particular group of people hold you back from taking hold of the word that the Bible says we're supposed to believe to receive God's best in our life. This is the victory that overcomes the world. It's our faith. It didn't say God's grace, although that's part of it. It didn't say going to church, although that can help. It didn't say walking in love, although that's crazy important. It said this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. You understand when you're talking about overcoming the world, you're talking about the system that's within this world. The Bible tells us that the God of this world, speaking of Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving to the light of the glorious gospel. Satan, God, is not the God of this world. He's the God of the earth. And actually, if you want to be really honest, well, okay, I'll just say it. If you want to be really honest, we actually, with the little g, are actually the gods of this world. He gave it to us to subdue it. You say, but that was lost in the garden. Ah, but the second Adam, the last Adam, Jesus came in, came in and restored everything that was lost in the garden. The earth actually belongs to us. It's up to us to take the authority God's given us and subdue the earth. 
to be fruitful and to multiply all that kind of stuff. But the system that's in the world that's working belongs to Satan. The God of this world, the system, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving to the light of the glory of this gospel. So this is the faith that overcomes the world. The devil's system is our faith. Listen, faith isn't just important, it's essential. In real Bible, faith is essential. We can't just have a message about faith and just, just talk about how we need to believe God without understanding what it really is and how it actually comes, comes to work in our life. Amen. So this verse here, it says, therefore I say to you, whatever things you, you ask or whatever things you desire when you pray, so you need to desire, but when you pray, believe that you'll receive them and you will have them. So if this verse is true one way, it's also true the other way. If it's saying to believe when you pray, that means you cannot believe when you pray. Merry Christmas, everybody, by the way. <laughs> you can actually pray and not pray in faith. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Help me for, for being congenial and diplomatic. Most people, when they pray, I'm just telling you for what I've, I've seen and witnessed for a lot of years, most people, when they pray, they don't pray in faith. They don't pray and speak to the mountain. First of all, people don't even speak to the mountain anymore. They go, and they've got their situation. They go, oh, God, Jesus. And it could, be a, it could be a dire situation. I'm not trying to undermine that. But they start in a position of unbelief because they don't know the authority that they've been given. Jesus said, you speak to the mountain. You say, well, well Jesus did that, but I'm not Jesus. No, but you're just like him. You have the same faith, the same authority, the same ability. You've got God on If God before you, who could possibly be against you? You've got all the same tools. You've got all the same stuff that Jesus had. You just need to take it and begin to operate it and use the authority that God's given you, and you'll see things come to pass. So number one, stop speaking to God about your mountain, but start speaking, and you've heard this before, start speaking to your mountain about God. Remind your mountain who you really are who you belong to. So don't go to the Lord in prayer anymore. As a matter of fact, some of you might struggle with this, but I'm just going to tell you how I am. I rarely ask God for anything anymore. It's rare. And there's a place for asking. It actually says, actually, asking this is not accurate. It's actually desire. So the prayer needs to be there, but there needs to be desire. It's, it's more than just asking. But I rarely go and ask the Lord for anything anymore. You know why? Because everything, everything that Christ Jesus has been given has also been given to us. I don't ask, I don't ask the Lord. I haven't asked the Lord to heal my body in probably 12 or 13 years. You know why? Healing's already been given to us. Healing's at our disposal. I don't ask God for money anymore. I might go to the Lord and say, God, I got a problem here. I need something to change. But I don't say, God, will you please just bless me? Will you please? I heard a guy say this. He said, he said, the Lord, if he wants to, he could just, he's got a, a, a cattle on a thousand hills, which means he's got probably millions of cattle. And if he wants to, he could just cut a few of them loose and send them my way. And I thought, That's, that is not the right perspective on that verse at all. I don't ask God for money anymore. Money's not the issue. Faith is the issue. 
Who was it that one of the uh, preachers that used to say, all you need is faith in God? Who was that? Is that Caps? Shambach. That was Shambach that used to say that. All you ever need, we ever want to go listen to an awesome faith preacher, go listen to Shambach. He's dead now, but old videos or whatever. All you need is faith in God. You know what? When it comes to what God has already provided you and already given you, that's all you need is faith in God. You don't need anything else. You don't need to plead. You don't need to beg. You don't need to, you know, grab hold of the horns of the altar and shake it till God comes out. You don't need to do that stuff anymore. God's on your side. He just needs you to believe him and what he's already given you, already in the pipeline, already deposited to you, is going to be released into your life. Hallelujah. It's the combination of grace and faith working together, and it's what causes miracles to happen. It's what actually causes it to come to pass. But most people do not really understand what faith is and how it works in their life. Understand that it's a, when you're in faith, it's a full persuasion in your heart that what he said is going to come to pass. It's the kind of faith that would cause you to walk around and tell people, I am the father of many nations before you have even one child or even a pregnant wife and you're like 90 years old, way too old to be having kids. You can imagine people would probably want to believe him and go, so you guys are going to adopt some kids, right? I mean, you're going to, you're going to do something like that, right? And he would say, no, 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 we're, we're actually really working towards birthing kids. <laughs> you can imagine what that would be like. But faith will cause you to stand and speak and say what God says, regardless of what your circumstances look like. I can't tell you how many times I've stood right, right here just on my own praying or walking around here or driving through town, and, it, and especially at the beginning of ministry here in Perryville, it looked like, I mean, it just felt like we didn't have the support. It felt like a lot of people were against us, and, and just, and, but I, was, I would lift up my eyes, and I would say, Jesus, you called me here, and you didn't call me here to fail my trust is in you. My hope is in you. I'm your servant. I'll do anything that you want me to do. And you know what? We're doing pretty doggone good. Yeah. And you know why we're doing good? I'm not boasting, but it's because I've continued to have faith in God. I've continued to believe him. And, and here's the deal. I haven't done everything perfect. I know some of you think that I'm perfect, but I'm not perfect. <laughs> I've made mistakes. I've made mistakes. I hear heckling from the crowd. But I'm going to move over to this side. <laughs> and here's what's so cool is that even when you've made mistakes, oh, this is a word for some of you. All you need is to keep believing God and you'll see what he said actually come to pass in your life. Abraham was one of the biggest scoundrels on the earth. If you ask me, <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. His righteousness that he had was because of his faith in God, not because of his works. Abraham actually went, apparently Sarah, Sarai, before she came, became Sarah, Sarai was apparently very beautiful. And when he would travel from place to place, at least on two different occasions, he walked in. And because he was scared that they would kill his wife and take her as their wife, he said, hey, this is my sister. You can have her. Now imagine this great man of faith doing something like that. I mean, if I did that to my wife, you guys wouldn't even come here anymore. But yet Abraham is one of the most talked about people in history, not because of his mistakes, but because of his faith. Oh, the faith of, 
the faith, the grace of God will cover your mistakes and the faith of God will cause you to move past them. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank God for his grace and mercy and the faith he's given us to just keep pressing on and keep moving on. And the reason that this is so important to understand this is because I've had many times where I've had my head in my hands and I've said, God, I've screwed it up too bad this time. There's no way to recoup after this. But you know what? God's not limited to our mistakes. He's only limited to will we really truly believe him, trust him, and have faith. Put faith when we're praying, when we're believing. Are we doing it in faith? Amen. You say, well, how do you get this kind of faith? I'm glad you asked. Look over here in Romans chapter 10, and this is where I was getting ready to go. Romans chapter 10, and in verse 8, it says, but what does it say? The, the word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. You know what's funny to me? Let me just take a commercial break here for a second. You know what's funny to me is the people, I dare you, get on probably don't do it. But if you got on Google and you Google the word of faith, you would have a bunch of preachers come up, particular ones, and there would be bashings to no end. There are websites set up against those word of faith preachers. It comes from the Bible. Let me read the verse again. It says, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. The word that we preach, the word that we live by, is the faith of God, is the victory that overcomes the world. If it was all about going to heaven, the mercy of God would have just killed us right after we got saved and we would have gone to heaven. But there's a level of life that the Lord wants us to live here on this earth he wants us to attain to, and I can tell you, you won't get there by bawling and squalling and whining and crying and sitting in the ditch and sitting on the bench and, and all that stuff and just woe is me. You got to have faith. You got to trust God. You got to get a word from God, and then you stand on that word, and 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 you stand on that word, etc., 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 to infinity and beyond. Don't ever let go of what God's told you. If something ain't working, sometimes you need to go back to the drawing board and say, God, did you really tell me to do that thing? And if he says, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, I did tell you, then you say, no problem. I'm going to continue standing and believing in what you told me. And you don't veer off of it. You don't back off of it. That's the kind of caliber of people that we are because that's in our very DNA. Imagine Jesus. When he came to, the Bible says that he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. He had to come to a place to where he realized, at some point, he realized what was going to happen to him. He got a hold of the prophecies that talked about his beard being plucked out and about him being marred. Imagine something being said about you, that you're going you're to be marred more than any other man. And I could just take a guess that maybe he was around 15 when he got that revelation, probably younger than that, but let's just say 15 to be safe. So for... 18 years he had to live with that revelation that that was going to happen to him. And you realize that the crucifixion wasn't something just for Jesus. That was how Romans, the Romans tortured people during that time. You can imagine that Jesus looked and saw people being tortured during that time by the Romans and thought, that's where I'm headed in a little bit. 
That's when the verse comes alive that says that faith works by love. Jesus continued in the faith because his love, his love drove, it drove him to that place. He so loved people. He so loved the world. It caused him to say, God, I'm going to keep believing you. I'm going to stick with the faith. I'm going to stick with what I, and some people think, oh, he was God. He didn't struggle. You can read in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was struggling in his natural self. He didn't sin, but he was struggling at what was getting ready to happen to him. Now there's a man of faith wasn't deterred to the left or to the right, but believed fully what God had said and believed that when he went into the grave, that that spirit would come and raise him from the dead. You realize that they didn't kill Jesus? It says then he gave up his spirit. He, will, he willingly went on the cross and he willingly gave up his spirit. And he had a full conviction a full revelation, a full understanding. He was fully assured that three days later that the Spirit of God would raise him from the dead. And it happened. And Jesus saw his faith accomplish something tremendous. It goes on to say in chapter 12 of Hebrews, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I haven't even gotten to the good part yet, but I'm almost done. Verse 9 of Romans chapter 10, it says that if we confess with, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Faith works on two levels. It's believing and it's speaking. One without the other causes faith to not be complete. You can believe, you can, ha you can have full assurance on the inside of you, but if you don't speak it, nothing will come to pass. Likewise, understand this, great teaching on confession. Confession means to say the same thing as. We need to say the same thing that God says. We need to confess it, but understand this, you can confess and confess and confess and confess and confess, but if you don't actually believe it in your heart, it won't come to pass. You want to know why a lot of people are frustrated with faith? It's because they don't understand. It's two parts, believing and speaking, speaking and believing. You speak what you believe and you believe what you speak. They go hand in hand. That's how faith works. You say, how do I get that kind of faith? Again, I'm glad you asked. Verse 17, it says, so then faith, just jumping ahead here. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You do not acquire faith by osmosis. First of all, you already have the faith. We established that, and we could establish it more from the word. You don't grow in your faith. You don't manifest the faith of God by just being around somebody who's seen a miracle or seen something great happen. You don't walk in this kind of faith for the miraculous or whatever just by hearing one sermon. That could quicken your faith, and you could receive something from God. I don't want to undermine that. It's not from just going... And being in the presence of God for 30 minutes on a Sunday morning during worship, that can quicken your faith because especially here, the songs are filled with the word of God. It actually says that faith comes by hearing. And when you go and look in the Greek, it means that you continually and perpetually hear. People will hear something and they'll go, I got it. I'm believing God. And then they leave the word in the wayside, and they don't go back and revisit it. The only way that you're going to be quickened, be stirred, and be fully made aware and alive, fully persuaded on the inside, fully believing, is 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. You have to continually keep putting the word in you. This is why the devil fights against the word so hard. He doesn't really care about you so much. Well, he definitely doesn't care about you. He doesn't just care about destroying your life so much as he does the word of God in your heart. Because if the enemy can steal the word that God's given you, be it, be it his written word or a prophetic word or whatever, if he can steal that, he's got you. But as long as you hold on to what God's given you, the word God has given you, you can overcome anything and everything that the enemy, would, that the enemy or life would ever throw at you. Man, that's like really good. It's really rich. So you have to keep putting the word in you. And you keep putting the word in you. And you keep, you're like, and some people say, but I just don't like to read very much. I gotta be honest with you, I really don't like to read very much. But I have disciplined myself to read. You have to put the word in you. But you know what a large percentage of my word time is? It's not actually sitting and reading. Don't listen. You need to read all of the Bible, but don't read for, for quantity. Read for quality. When you're reading and God speaks to you, stop and let him continue to speak to you about that. And then you go and you just meditate. I don't mean, you know, weird stuff or whatever. I mean, you just, you just actually sit and get quiet and still before the Lord and say, Father, I hear what you're saying there. Show me more. Oh, God, make that come alive in me even more. And when you do that, that's what the Bible calls rhema. And there's a difference between a rhema word and a logos word. Logos is the written word of God. And when I'm talking about logos and rhema, those are just the Greek words to describe the word, word. Logos is the written word of God. Rhema is the spoken, the breathed word of God revelation to you. And I look at it like this. You can have a whole piano and it has all of the keys on it, but a rhema word, and that's the logos, but a rhema word is when the Holy Spirit just hits one note on that keyboard and it just comes alive. You hear it. That's what you're supposed to be reading for. That's what you're supposed to be seeking for. And that's what causes faith to come alive and for you to be fully persuaded that what he said is actually the truth. Regardless of your circumstances, you have to have God speak to you. You have to have him make it come alive on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Crazy important. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but not just reading it and like, oh yeah, I heard that, so I have faith. No, going and allowing him to make it come alive on the inside of you, then you can really believe it. Then you can really have faith. You want to know how Smith Wigglesworth raised people from the dead and dropkick babies off the stage and, and punched people with tumors in their stomach? I'm not saying that that's what we're shooting for, but the, the deal is, is that he got the people healed and set free and delivered case after case after case after case after case. You know why? Because he had the Lord and he had his word before him all of the time. So much so that when any temptation would, call, would come to make him think or believe anything different than what the word said, he would stop and say, that's not what I'm going to believe because that's not what the word says. I don't believe it. This is what the word says. I'm talking about the kind of faith that would cause you to be so known 
by your faith in God, and that's not a bad thing. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, and he said, I've heard of your faith. There's nothing wrong with that. But Smith Wigglesworth was so known that there was a time, one time when somebody died, and they wanted him to come, come raise him from the dead. So you know what he did? He went into the, to the hospital room or the morgue, wherever the person was that was dead, and he went and picked him up and set him up in the corner and said, whatever, live or something like that, and let him go. And you know, the person fell right on the ground and stayed dead. But he realized that he had the raising from the dead power on the inside of him. So what did he do? Go home crying and whining and saying it didn't work and God didn't want the person raised from the dead? No, they died prematurely. Of course God wanted them raised from the dead. I'm speaking past for some of your life. They raised from the dead. What are you talking about? Do you realize that the very first thing you have to believe in to believe for salvation is to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead? If you're going to get saved, you have to believe in the raising from the dead power. This isn't weird. This is normal. Religion has made people believe that this is weird. This is not weird at all. So what did old Smith do? He went and he picked the person up. And he set him up in the corner again and said, walk or live or stand up, whatever it was that he said. And he let him go. And you know what happened? They fell to the floor again, dead. And he did this like four or five times till finally the person came to and stood and they were, they were alive again. That's the kind of faith I'm talking about. The kind of faith that you could look at literally somebody that's dead or you could look at a situation that's dead and you could take the faith of God, get a word from God and say, Lord, I'm not going to believe anything different except for what you told me. I'm not going to be persuaded by anything different. Our problem actually, it actually isn't the ability to believe. It's we have so much ability to disbelieve. We have so many things that speak different than what the word of God says. What are you, what are you going to put your focus on? What are you going to put your attention on? Go back to the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the weekly message. To find out more about Overcomers Church International and to hear more messages like this one, please visit our website at ociperryville.com.